filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So we had a good time before the game uh, hosting DC United's watch party and pregame show. Adam, uh, I, you, you had a good time during the game. Uh, for, for a little while there, I did. You know, there was a little spell a few seconds there in the 17th minute or so. Yeah, and uh, for anyone who didn't see, Adam was on national television doing a dance and then apparently just like just showing his mustache off to everyone. Uh, uh, and, and you were even, uh, the league took time to highlight you. Uh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first half was uneventful enough that I feel like that was part of it too. It was like, well, what's going on in this game? Well, that happened. There's a mustache guy doing a dance. Yeah, there's a mustache man doing a <laughs> they, dance. They, they they turned me into a meme. Just you deserved it. it. I got multiple Adam, text Adam, messages Adam, and direct messages it. on Twitter and tags on Twitter. I did. Hundred percent. In, in twenty twenty, what is better than getting turned into a meme or worse? Yeah, no, so no, either, it's one of those. I'm not complaining. This is if I'm going to be a meme. This is like being a silly guy enjoying himself during a soccer game. Yes, that is in the a best completely way harmless to a meme. way. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah, good with that. I, that's get. like because yeah, you usually yes, only is, end up as a meme once in a lifetime. That's like a one-time thing, and you don't want to be the star of Twitter. You, you never want to be, be the main character of Twitter. Um, and you also <laughs> don't want to end up as a meme for something like a uh, watermelon hit you in the face or uh, like. Right. Your, you never want to be the milkshake duck. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Da- no, harmless and- dancing while having a mustache. It's about as good as it gets as far as this, yeah, this subject. It is. Say, Especially like, during a really on this hell website. Soccer game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was, you know, our our friend Donald from from Black and Red United and and Stars and Stripes FC was on on the Zoom call as well. Ben, you were on it. Jason, you were off doing you know important covering the game activities and not goofing off on a Zoom call. <laughs> there uh, wasn't that much to do at the time. It turned out I probably could have stayed on the Zoom because the game did not <laughs> allow me to have much to talk about uh, in that stretch of play. And so then it Donald just got and worse. I were trying to we we were encouraged to. Uh, hype people up during it and I was you know the game was not obviously not totally engaging my brain so I was being goofy as I am sometimes want to do and started doing a little dance Uh, I knew at some part of my brain that the zoom call was what they were pulling video for the jumbotrons the virtual jumbotrons that are behind each goal and at midfield that the players cannot see thankfully (laughs) (laughs) um but they look like they are physically there to everyone watching on the broadcast uh at least in north america and so uh after this happens i really did get text messages from people i haven't spoken to in years saying i'm pretty sure i just saw you and your mustache (laughs) on national tv i didn't know you had a mustache were you (laughs) channeling your inner ace purple uh, I may have been. I'm wearing that shirt right now. In fact, <laughs> it is it is one of my favorite shirts, my ace purple soccer shirt. 
Uh, I don't know if Ace Purple does that dance. Um, he probably. might. I he probably. Does. It's a silly dance. He probably does. Is he this, certainly fluffs his mustache is, afterward. Maybe this is a dance he does when he's had a successful night of riverboat gambling. That I mean, it's not the kind of dance you do when you're sad. I'll say that much. Right. Right. It wasn't. I mean, this there was is, a lot of. No, this, this is maybe you made your one last bet uh, on the riverboat uh, for the night, and you won, and you won a big uh, a big bounty, yeah, you, and you you just sort of do a dance, and then you get up, and and I mean, I assume that on the riverboat there's a uh, cashing out area that's very similar to a normal casino, and not just like a dude with a, ba- a sack full of money. No, uh, I, I bet it's what, more like a sack full of money. No, okay. There's definitely a cage. There's definitely. I don't a know cage. what goes on on riverboats. Uh, at all uh maybe so you should I'm, go to ohio and or indiana you should mm, not i don't know <laughs> no you <laughs> should just say no, you shouldn't <laughs> hey hey welcome in this is filibuster the black and red united and adam still has a mustache and now the world knows about it podcast i'm adam how, how long are you I keeping would... this mustache adam taylor indefinitely not forever probably but i have no imminent plans to to shave it off, especially now that it's a thing. It's a meme. It's a meme. I'm I'm the soccer guy with the mustache, apparently. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Want? I did not expect at this point. Kinda. It's no longer. <laughs> right. I mean, Benny Failhopper had it for a little while there. But oh he, no! He, oh he no! Adam, Adam, you don't want to compare yourself to that stash. I, I have nothing for that stash. That stash is on another level from mine. Uh, Benny Failhaber grows facial hair much more prolifically than I am able to do. Uh, however, mine exists, and that's kind of all it does at this point. Anyway, I'm Adam Taylor. They're Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we have the unique displeasure of writing about DC United this week. Um, and yeah. we're going to talk about that on the show because DC United are out of the MLS's back tournament. Uh, and that's not exactly happy making. Before we get into the sad discussion to come, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I have dug deep in the fridge because I drank a rum and coke uh, earlier and I did not want to have another soda. And I realized that at like, 855 so i was like oh, i gotta i gotta do a drink but i don't want to do a soda again and i kind of didn't feel like making anything more involved so i dug deep in the fridge and found a couple more cans of nwsl sponsor budweiser and so i'm having one of those because it was the easiest thing to do earlier it was just a standard rum and coke uh with um cruzon no, don't you don't get to say what you previously had. You're drinking a Bud Heavy. It's already it's done. I mean, you could it's edit done. it now, of course, but I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to. You know yeah, this. I know. So, so there you go. Well, since Jason got two bench, should we just skip yours. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Then, then, then we'll go. Because I'm drinking a gin, Ricky. And mine. I'm also I, drinking I a gin, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> are Are you drinking it with green hat? No, I'm not. Because I am. Are you drinking well, it out of a jar? I am drinking it out of a oh, jar. I your jar. This is another question for Ben. Oh. I'm, no, I'm drinking mine out of a, a, a crystal highball. Collins glass. Confirmed. Not, not making it up. He is holding up that exact glass. So that we can yep. see it. It's not a lie. Yep. But yes, I, I'm, I'm drinking Indiana's 
best uh, Seagram's gin. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, on the uh, the pregame call, which was which was a lot of fun. I, I don't want to diminish that by focusing on on the jumbotron experience. Um, really fun conversation. Good group of people uh, who who got on a bunch of season ticket members, um, and just really really good time. Um, I wanted to drink a gin Ricky on that, um, and we ran out of club soda, so I was unable to, and I had to scramble and find uh i found some smoked ginger ale so i turned it in instead of gin i had a moscow mule with some vodka and it was very good but not exactly what i wanted how is ginger ale smoked adam this is it's a fever tree thing they have a smoky ginger ale that they make they smoke the ginger and then make the ginger ale i don't know i haven't looked a fever tree or a fever dream it sounds like a fever dream fever tree is a drink company that makes very well regarded uh ginger beer and okay. uh this is a a ginger ale that they make that's a little bit less on the ginger but has some smokiness to it and it, it why, makes why have you not purchased this interesting for me? because i purchased purchased it for me <laughs> okay. and you didn't come over to my house to uh, okay. share I'll, I'll, just like Jason stole my alcohol. I'm going to break into your house and steal your ginger beer. Okay. Uh, well, it's ginger ale. It's not ginger beer. It's it's not quite as ginger forward as uh, right. as ginger well, beer. I'll still steal it. Is. Okay. Well, it's in it's in my homemade bar in the bottom compartment. On I, the know, I I know where that is. I mean, I I know the layout of your house. It may have reversed since the last time you that were was, here. That was a little but creepier than I meant it to sound. Uh, <laughs> ben has been to my house before. Uh, yes, not, I have. Not during the pandemic, but no. a few years ago, we switched the lay, the the arrangement of the the living room, so it might not be in the same spot where you remember it. Just so you know. Anyway, this is as off the rails as we've gotten, at least talking about the layout of my home. So let's talk about the soccer. Let's not. Yeah, Ben's right. Let's not. Let's do something else. <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned before, DC United are officially out of the MLS's back tournament after losing one nothing to the Montreal Impact on Tuesday night. Safir uh, Tidare's 31st-minute long-range shot helped into the net by a, an extremely wicked deflection off of Frederick Briant was the difference, a game with very few chances uh, going either way, really. DC United's final marks for their three games in the tournament uh zero wins two draws one loss good for two points and last place in group c uh three goals for four goals against um any overall thoughts before we get into the game Uh, i mean what i what i'm struggling with is to determine exactly how important any of these three games were because the mls's back tournament is utterly bizarre even I mean we're used to bizarre in MLS, but this has been above and beyond. Um, schedule changes, players getting scared with false positives. Um, this this game turns on a, a a slightly unusual deflection of a thirty yard shot that comes after an even more unusual clearance attempt. Like the whole tournament has been weird for everyone. It's been weird for DC. Um, it's definitely not something I would say is unimportant because. Montreal is not good. 
I, I don't think the Rebs are very good. Uh, I don't think TFC has looked especially good in this tournament. I think this group was there for the taking, or if not, and they could have won it on the last day. Yes. And you know, the, the level of play from DC was not good enough. So that side of it, I think we, we can't say, Oh, it just doesn't matter if this MLS is back tournament is a joke. Um, It matters to some extent, but I've had now we've all had a couple of days to think it over. And I'm still like, I don't know what to make of how important this was or was not. So yeah, I, I agree with that, but also just what's bubbling in my heart is that it feels very similar to how DC United goes out whenever they get into the playoffs. It just, it feels very similar to the losses that they suffer in the first round of the playoffs. uh, These, these past five years, it's, I don't know, at least the last couple of years, they managed to score goals at some point. Which they so you're making, against so, so this is even worse. In, I mean, it, 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 in some ways, but it just feels bad to be, and it feels like nothing is moving forward. And yes, this is a stupid tournament in a hellscape of a timeline that shouldn't mean much, but it feels like the same as 2011, the same as 20. 15 the same as 2016 it feels like a lot of the past 10 years yeah i do wonder how much the the kind of late compression of the schedule for dc united played into things because their their game against toronto was delayed by multiple days which meant they got less rest before the new england game and then you know had less of a cushion building up into the uh the Montreal sure. game. Uh, and actually the new England game got pushed back a day too. Mm-hmm. So they were on. I know and that, that means your fitness is low. I wonder if those turnarounds contributed to the injuries to Ola Kamara um, and into, you know, some of the, Flores. some of the lax. Yeah. Flores was yeah. injured for this last game. And I wonder if that played into it. And also uh, the, the fatigue that we saw, which, everyone was dealing with, but when you're on short rest, it's worse. One day of rest can make a big deal for fatigue. This was an immensely frustrating. uh, Yes. This was the most frustrating game of the three. Um, Yeah. Because at least against TFC, you know, the first half, I think the first 45 against TFC was the worst 45 minutes of the season so far for DC. Um, But down a man, they showed something. They, they managed to, keep the game from becoming I mean when the red card happened with the way the game was going it looked like DC is going to give up four or five it looked like they were about to get destroyed and they managed to find their footing play themselves into into the game where even though there's this weird narrative about how the game they were being played off the field in the second half that's not really what happened nothing happened for a long time which Mm -hmm. is a when you're down to 10 is a victory um and they managed to come back so we got something and then against the Rebs, we got something, you know, the, the, it wasn't a great performance, but it was enough to get something. Um, this game, there were a few spells of a, of a little, it was decent. The, you know, the start to the game was quite good. Um, yeah, I thought the first 20 minutes were maybe the best they looked all tournament as far as I, I would moving the smaller, ball. and Smaller number there, smaller okay. than 20. 10. But, but still, yeah, the point stands that, yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, it's just that 
after that ended, whenever it ended, it started going bad. And if this is not a good Montreal team, um, we said this, we talked about this before the tournament. They're just not a particularly talented group uh, front to back. And DC kind of let them control where and how the game was being played. Um, yep. And I know some of that is fatigue. I'm sure some of the, the tactics that are involved are like, we can't press for longer. We can't be hyper um, uh, aggressive when we go forward. We have to be measured because we're going to run out of gas and people are going to um, make mistakes because they're exhausted. And that's fine, but you can't give them so much control. Um, you know, Montreal finished the game. This might be a surprise to some people. They only they were only credited with seven shots in the game, Montreal. But when you think of how the game felt, it felt like after after that good early period from DC ended, it felt like Montreal pretty much dominated until you know after the hour mark. Um, and yeah. in the second half, it wasn't like the impact were trying to push for the second goal. It was just sort of there for them. They're like, I guess we'll take charge of the game some more. Um, and yeah, that somehow, was tough. Yeah, somehow DC United ended up with the edge on possession and uh, on shots and on expected goals in this one. Again, this is for the second <laughs> the, time the in a row. number of, of expected goals. Yeah, for the second game in a row, neither team got p- particularly close to one yeah. full we- expected goal. Which is its own, like, that's also part of the frustration is that yes. the game was also boring. Um, yes. I think I think United fans writ large uh, would welcome a team that is, or not welcome it, but they would be more amenable to DC having an off year, but it being like a series of wild games in which they can't quite figure out how to get the job done, but at least they created a bunch. Um, I think people would be fine with that in exchange for what's what we saw in this tournament, um, which was yeah. mostly a team that was trying uh, to not let much of a game break out. Um, or it's if they the were trying between, to... Kind of the difference yeah. between 2010 when they were trying to be attacking and, and just because they knew if they sat back, they would get creamed anyway. So it's like, let's screw it. Let's be heroes. Uh, and they went out and tried, and it failed miserably. Uh, and then 2013, where they were bad and also could not do anything. Like 2010, they would throw numbers forward, and that was their their doom. Yeah, eventually. Um, once uh, eventually not, became... I don't. I don't know about this analysis. Uh, may, it, it's been a long time. Maybe maybe yeah. the fog of old age is is settling yeah. in. This, you know, when we had Ben Olson on the show, one thing he mentioned was trying to simplify some of their tactics, which I think it makes sense on a broad level because you have all that time off. Um, you don't really have a lot of time to prepare for this tournament. So you've got to find a way to be effective without necessarily giving your players so much to try and figure out on the fly. Um, so I get it. Um, I get that tournament play in general, when you think of other tournaments that are comparable to this, like a team going to the World Cup, you don't have a bunch of run-up time. The players have been apart for a long time. You can't institute the most, you know, complicated tactical setup in the world. You cannot institute, um, I don't know if you guys heard, and I've got the thunder that Adam got before the show. Um, <laughs> you can't institute um, Pep Guardiola's passing scheme. You can't institute um, sorry ball or 
uh, Antonio Conte's system. You can't do any of that in this t- amount of time. Um, Are you telling so me I, we cannot figure out a way to make Russell Knauss an inverted fullback in the probably not two weeks of interrupted training time? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I get the idea of simplifying it. It's just that um, we're stuck in this in-between space, which we were stuck in before the season, which is that um, the team wanted to move away from being as dour and conservative, uh, but they wanted to do that. And they, they said up front, it was going to take time. They had new players coming in and all that got interrupted. And unfortunately switching to a plan B, I think we're, I think instead of being in between the original two poles that we were trying to go from point A to point B, we're now stuck in between point C and point D which were two different objects and two different starting or a, a different starting point and a different objective, but we're still stuck in the middle and it's frustrating. No one wants to be in this space where it's like, well, would that, would that have worked if we gave it enough time? I don't know. Uh, but so, yeah. So Jason, are you saying that we're in the space between? <laughs> I am not. This, this is a Dave Matthews free zone, sir. <laughs> yes. I, I am absolutely not saying that. <laughs> Um, but it, it is frustrating. So I guess it does have something to do with the music of Dave Matthews, in my opinion. <laughs> Sorry to our Dave Matthews listeners, but uh, you and I are not on the same page musically. <laughs> uh, let Let's talk about the goal a little bit. We've alluded to it. It was uh, a short we corner. <laughs> we may as well. I guess it was a bummer. Yeah, it, it was a short suck. corner played very simply up to. Uh, we, have to get, we have to include how the corner occurred. I'm gonna I'm gonna get okay. to that. Okay. Uh Tidare, no pressure, really. A player, a DC United player closes down kind of late and half-heartedly. Tidare curls it around him. Fred Briant. I I don't know if he thought there was a runner coming behind him, if it was just his defensive instincts to try to put a body part on the ball, but he just sticks out his leg again, kind of half-heartedly. And it just deflects right out of Bill Hamid's reach. He completely had it covered. It was not a particularly dangerous shot. Um, and this sequence of events leads me to ask if maybe someone put a very narrow curse on Frederick Briant just during this minute or two of play because the corner kick came from uh, Briant trying to clear the ball out and almost just smashing it right into his own net. Um, luckily, it went out for a corner instead or not so luckily as it turns out because i don't know it, what i meant to look it up before the the show what was that movie in like the 90s or 2000s where if you escape death once it was going to come back for you it was final like a series. final destination? destination yeah this was fred Briant's <laughs> final destination i think where he was going to score an own goal or or effectively an own goal I don't even know if this went down as Tidare's or or Briant's in the scorebook. It, it's Tidare because it, yeah, the the shot was on frame. So at that point, uh, deflections are not ruled as own goals, even though right. MLS every once in a while gets that wrong and inexplicably is like, sure that was an own goal or sure that was a goal, and it was like a shot right, that was going five yard wide. Yeah, but, that's why I don't know because MLS the way one, they rule these things, you never can. This tell. one is is Safir Tidare's goal. Pro- properly Tidare's, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but, but it feels like it was just like someone decided that Fred Briant was going to badly influence a goal. I mean, right. I, I hate, I, I don't want to, I'm, 
I don't want to be ageist, but I'm saying that I'm going to be a little ageist right now. Uh, they resigned him to a two-year contract at age 35. Uh, I mean, th- these are these are mental mistakes, not physical mistakes. So maybe I'm just talking out of my butt. Uh, but I think they're related, though. It, it's yes, it it, right. it it's just not. He could have done he, like individually all of these mistakes are like oh you can explain them away but once you take them in concert take them in whole it, it, it's starting to create a pattern yeah i don't think these are age mistakes um i think these were just a couple bad decisions it's just that they all you know the tfc game he made a mistake that was communication based which is the kind of thing that a, a player of his age should never be doing um but it was a mistake yep. um this goal the corner that the deflection is cruel. I don't, I don't think that this is a mistake sure. at all. Um, his job in that moment, if he's, if he's in that space is to try and block the shot. Um, it's just that Tider did hit the ball pretty well. I mean, it was going straight. Like Adam said, um, it had a lot of power on it though. If you're going to shoot from 30 yards, which earlier in the game, Montreal had a couple attempts from that distance and, um, Shep Messing was going ballistic. Uh, oh, fuck. Par- par- partially because he we'll just have to talk not- about. We'll have to talk about the the, the commentators sure. briefly. He, he does not enjoy DC United at all, and was letting that show through a lot. Um, yeah. But he was kind of missing the point of what DC was doing, which is that yes, they were standing off. Yes, it is. Um, it comes with an element of danger in that eventually a shot might get fired, but. If, you know, there had been a sequence where Montreal had the ball for like two minutes, and in the end, the only thing they did with it was Sam Piet took a weak shot that went way over the bar from like 20, 23, 24 yards. That's fine. Um, if you're under defensive pressure and all you give away is a shot from a guy that never scores from that range, you've done an all right job. You've done something that's pretty difficult. Um, but this was a different this was a different instance. They The short corner caught them out. Um, I think that, I think they were a little too deep for dealing with the short corner. So credit to, uh, Montreal for, for figuring that out, uh, observing that, um, for all the short corner haters, uh, Montreal against DC is exactly why short corners are actually worth attempting. Um, because you, Montreal's giving away a height disadvantage. They're looking at a team that's defending very deep. You say, okay, let's, let's pull them out of that a little bit. Yeah. The goal itself, don't don't take the goal itself as confirmation that it always worked because this is a very low level, um, you know, low percentage thing to do. Um, the principle behind it was is it was the right idea. It's just the goal is fluky on their part, but the clearance is the mistake, and it's a it's just a basic mistake of swinging your foot at the ball. It's down to the sheer mechanics of getting a clearance right. And what's funny is that last year. Briant led MLS in clearances. Like this is something that he knows how to do. Um, it just in this one instance, he got it all wrong and turned nothing into a corner. And then that corner kind of, you know, DC came up snake eyes basically on. Yeah, um, he re- he recapitulated and then yeah. Right. So um, what we're saying is in this moment, do not go riverboat gambling with Frederick Briant. It will not. go badly. I would say- off riverboat gambling uh for a while uh it's an enclosed space you don't have to go do that if you don't want to um wait until we're safe from viruses before you go riverboat yes. gambling that's the it, it, 
Make sure you have a vaccine before you go riverboat gambling. We're, uh, podcast, this podcast is not uh, medical advice, but in this instance, I think we're on decent footing. Um, but we're also, medical. Su- we're medical suggestions occasionally. Yeah, we're we're not doctors. None of us has a doctor. Oh, um, no. We cannot help you um, with medicine. But uh, yeah, the goal. I mean, I, I feel like in the end, Montreal probably deserved a goal somewhere in there. It's just this. This was not the play that it should have come from. But at the same time, or it should have been. If you make a mistake uh, on a basic clearance like that, maybe you do deserve some bad news coming around the corner. So yeah, um, I'm not I sure. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're age mistakes. I will say that I think he just he had a rough three games. To the last thing you said or before that, Jason, I'm not sure either team deserved a goal. Montreal definitely was more in control. At times, it felt like the way kind of the good DC United defensive teams when they were when they were playoff teams a few years ago the way they would control the game without the ball where they would kind of force teams to play in the in in the midfield and down the wings not play down the middle send in harmless mostly harmless crosses uh, and that was the basis of the defense if you tried to play through the middle the best you were going to get was a blocked shot because it's a forest of legs and montreal was kind of doing that but also you know, DC United couldn't hold on to the ball to save their lives either. So it's not like they were providing Montreal a very stern test either. It was, it, it, it was frustrating. I think you said that earlier and that was. I mean, and it also comes back to the midfields inability to help uh, provide relief to the defense. Well, it, you know, it's funny because when you look at just the raw stats, you know, DC attempted Five, over 500 passes they their passing accuracy was 86 percent. that's pretty good for dc um so from a raw numbers perspective it's like well, i don't know they weren't really giving the ball away that much it's just that when they tried to do something with it yeah it yeah um, on the eye test it was just like oh no right it was right. cutting and slow and yes yeah um it it looked for all the world like a orlando game in the middle of summer um right which unfortunately this tournament was and in the first half um it also looked like either i'm still on the fence about this but basically dc either uh, i tweeted a photo of this from the site account but dc either could not figure out how to get the ball to yamil Assad, or were over over extending themselves to get the ball to the right to go at um corrales who is not particularly very good i understand wanting to isolate Julian Gressel against uh, Jorge Corrales. That's a good matchup for DC on paper. Um, but either they could not figure out how to get the other wing involved, or they just weren't trying to get the other wing involved, but somewhere in there, or maybe Emil Asad wasn't showing for the ball properly. Maybe it's all three. It's, it's probably all three to some it's degree. Probably but, all three. Um, in the first half, that side of the field was just a dead zone. Uh, Joseph Mora was the source of any offense coming from that side of the field in that first half. Um, and, you know, Gressel did have a good moment early in, during the early period of the game. He was the one that set Ulysses Segura up for a chance that really should have put DC in the lead. Um, yeah. except Segura leaned way back while he was shooting and just got it all wrong. Um, he, he really wanted to take down that invisible jumbotron. I think, right. He, for he good wanted reason, to knock it down before you could dance on it. Um, exactly. He, he knew what was coming and was trying to prevent it, but unfortunately Alas. it turns out you they, can't you can't destroy the the uh the image that you can't actually see uh it turns out it's a it's a different quandary that he was in that he maybe thought but uh 
yeah, that that was also that's a big part of what went wrong in the first half as well. Is it too predictable? Um, because I'm sure to some extent Montreal looks at the players they had out there and they say, you know, um, Zachary Brokeyard, who uh, Kevin Laramie, we talked about a bunch uh, in our last show, he was fit to play this game. And and I say fit because last week when we had him on the show, it was unclear as to what the problem was. But then during the game, we saw he had a big wrap on his thigh. Um, so he was probably just barely able to to gut out the minutes he played, but Brokeyard is an excellent defender. Corrales is a guy that can maybe be on an MLS roster. And so it's no surprise that DC was like, let's go after the guy that is replacement level rather than the guy that's really, really good. Um, but you have they to might have over and yeah. And they may have overemphasized that. Right. And also they didn't really do a very good job of going right. after Corrales anyway, because they, yeah. as the half wore on, they stopped even really getting Gressel involved. Um, and so, which part of that is the central midfield that was out there, um, yeah. which was all three normal defensive midfielders were all on the field at once. Um, With a midfielder or a striker. Yeah, Felipe yes. nominally is the 10, and then Ulysses yes. Segura, who who joined the team as a defensive midfielder before showing better as a, a right winger, was the, the striker, and a defensive right winger at that. Right. Um, yeah, and that's it, because... It played like that. Yeah. It played like it. Um, and we know yeah. it's injury, you know, it is injury-related, you know. Right, with Edison Flores... Uh, out with a hamstring. Ola Kamara uh, was dealing with injuries before the game. Right. Apparently, he did you know passed his pregame kind of fitness check well enough to be in uniform, but maybe not and play but, and, and to know, play in the second right. half, but not well enough I mean, to start. We and we've been talking about this this entire year, which seems like six years in in actual time, but it's since January that. They needed to sign more forwards on this team. They needed another player or another player or two just besides uh, uh, Ola Kamara and uh, Eric Sorga. I mean, uh, uh, Pipa Iguain is. He's not he's a, a he's he's a midfielder. He's a forward. He's he's in between the two. Uh, but it seemed like they they were just, they brought him on in this game, and then and it, the feeling I got was just like they were like, Pipa, fix it. And he did it the last two games, but he couldn't right. do it this time. But they needed like they needed somebody like Darren Maddox if they could have kept him on the team. They needed somebody that level. Uh and they don't have that person yet this season. Right. But they needed they need like an actual forward who is who is solid off the bench and, and they just don't have it right now because yeah if if your designated player forward gets injured they they have nothing and it showed yeah um and this is something that you know after the game even ben also he didn't specifically talk about forwards or strikers but he did say that um they want to get better in part through the transfer market um so it's not it's not a thing where they're thinking this is not a known problem. Um, whether this is a situation where the deals were not feasible financially before the season. And so they're like, good luck with two forwards. Or if this was a situation where um, United couldn't get a good deal across the line, maybe they got, um, maybe they had a target and someone beat them to it. Maybe they had a target and coronavirus broke out and they said, I don't want to come to the United States. Um, we sure. don't know. We probably never know. Um, 
but we have to we we're stuck with you know we have to form opinions based on what we see and what we see right now is that they entered the season and we're planning on getting to the summer most likely with an understaffed attack um they and, yeah, but, up- and even even just with the attack they had in February, we we were all saying that it wasn't enough then and that they were going to struggle, like they were going to struggle until they got to the summer to sign more players. And that just even heightened once the coronavirus happened. But we all knew that this, like, unless Ola Kamara broke out, which is definitely possible because he's a very good player, but... Mm. We all knew that this was possible because they just didn't. They signed so few players going into the season. What was it, 24, 25, 25. out of a possible 30? Yeah. And it's just like we knew we knew that this was possible going into the season. Sure, because we were always one or two injuries away from having a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, back in the winter, we were talking about. Um, when United signed Gressel and it was a huge deal and it was, it maybe seemed like one extra midfielder in that space. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I, I know I talked about it a ton. I, I know you guys uh, were on board. Um, it's good to have more than three. If you're going to play four, two, three, one, you don't just want to have three starting caliber guys in that line. You want to have at yep. least one more. Um, and yep. we found out very quickly that that was good. That was very fortuitous because Paul Ariola got hurt and now they were back down to three, but it's like, well, okay, it's not great, but at least they aren't going to feel the team where they don't have that third starter is not going to be a starting caliber player. Um, right. It's and just even that, then Emil Assad is coming off over a year, oh, yeah. not really playing. Yeah. Um, right. And, and, and so Flores, Luis Segura starts the first game. <laughs> yeah. And, and Flores is new to MLS. So we don't know how long it's going to take for him to figure the league out. Um, Especially in this, oh yeah, I mean, time. In, in normal circumstances, it was like, look, I hope right. it's going to pan out quickly, but it might not. Um, right. Up front, it was different. It was, if Ola Kamara gets hurt, we have a problem. We have a, a problem right away because Eric Sorga's twenty years old. Um, his goal scoring rate in, in in the Estonian league excellent. Um, yep. He had major suitors. It wasn't just DC after him. There were clubs yeah. in real clubs in Europe that are good at judging young talent. We're saying, yeah, this guy's good. So that's all good. But yeah. you don't know that that player is going to work out right away. Um, and going into the season with that as the only alternative is a big problem. And so I, I can't even bring myself to get frustrated with Segura's performance as a forward because ultimately he's not a forward. He did the best he could at something that he just not like if he had to play right back for a game or two, I would also feel the exact same way. So like, well, he has some of the traits for that position, but he's not ultimately a right back. So what am I going to get mad at him for doing a bad job? Um, It seems. Right. It's, it's frustration at the roster construction and at the, the, at the executive level at the Ben Olsen and Dave Casper level. And who knows what the dynamic there is. Like, it could be a situation where Olsen said, why is this my roster? I need more guys. And Casper said, no. Like, we, we'll never, they're never going to tell anyone. But that. I mean, they should assign more guys. Like, if if Dave, Casper, if Dave Casper said no, then Dave Casper should 
not be in that role because they needed more guys. And he probably right. didn't. Like he's never yeah, assembled yeah, 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 a yeah, yeah. twenty-five player roster before this. I think um, some things maybe went wrong, and then a big thing went wrong for our entire world. Um, and that probably... right, but, but I, the roster construction was like for the for the first part of the season was done before coronavirus happened. And well, remember that the first transfer right. window initially stays open until May. Um, right. So we sure, don't, sure. But the, but the season is entirely started. plausible. It's yeah. entirely yeah. plausible that Dave Casper was trying to get a DP or TAM level forward. And it just didn't come through because those deals are not easy to complete. And maybe he Which had even two of them and that didn't come through. He may have had a backup that also didn't come through. The fact is he didn't get it done. And it's yeah, fair exactly. to say that because his job is to get those deals done or to get a deal done. Or to have, have the a, backup a of the deal and the backup of the backup. And yeah, to have exactly. a sufficient roster. And that's not what happened. He yep. he did not accomplish that basic part of his job in this instance. Um, right. and, and there are other spots on the field when you only have a 25-man roster. You don't – there's not just one position you're going to be thin yep. at. Fullbacks are one injury away. Center backs are one injury away. Like we we were talking off air before the tournament started that we could see Russell Knauss play center back in this tournament if oh, something yeah. goes wrong. Because yeah. if 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 someone gets suspended and someone gets hurt, all of a sudden you have one center back on the roster. And what are you going to yeah. do? Who are you going to put at center back? So I mean this this roster has a lot of issues. Um but it is what DC United have for this uh, cursed year. And so At that's what I'm being. With, yeah. Who knows? Who knows if we have more games to cover? Um, yeah. Let's actually, let's talk about that. DC United are going to have at least a month off. Uh, MLS. We, we learned from a Nashville SC press conference. MLS is planning to start shout games. Gary Smith. Uh, Gary Smith. Shout out. What's happening. No, the don't legend. shout out Gary Smith. The legend no, Gary no, he's Smith. not a legend. Adam, don't even joke about this. This is offensive. MLS Cup champion Gary Smith. That is offensive too. I don't care if it's true. It is offensive. Uh, the things I, I know will trigger Ben, and I can just say them, makes me really happy. That was happy. the first MLS Cup I ever yeah. watched, and ben it was the worst MLS Cup I've ever watched. I'm going to check this league out and getting that MLS Cup. Right. Uh, and then you something. stuck around. I, I did. I don't, I don't know why. Um, Gary Smith said uh, that MLS, the, the the tentative plan, and these this is in very much in flux because the league has to respond to uh, ongoing COVID nineteen outbreaks around the country, and, and also negotiate and negotiate yeah. with the players uh, who who rightly have a say in all this. Um, the The league wants to at this moment, or at least the moment when he said it. Um, the league wants to start play again in mid mid August and play a total of 18 games, which would be nine home games, nine road games. Uh, if you're a Canadian team, you're probably being assigned an American stadium somewhere to, to act as a home base because Canada's not letting professional sports happen, uh, up there, which honestly is probably to to do probably the right call. Let's let's yeah. be honest. I here. mean, it's, it's already uh, ridiculous. Like uh, already, uh, uh, Dallas and Nashville have played three less of in theory games than everybody else. So, uh, what did it matter? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand why MLS wants to 
you know, get games on TV and get sponsorship activations and all that, because there's a lot of money and, you know, the players need to be paid and that money has to come from somewhere. And the investors want a return on their investment. I'm less concerned about that, but yeah, the, the investors is, don't want to open up their, their wallets. They would like right. the, the business to pay for itself rather than say, wow, there's a global crisis. Maybe, the, maybe they're we'll like, be fine if I fund some, some, some salary. Maybe these idle assets I have can be used yeah. for something. They're like, um, they're like Mona Lisa Saperstein from uh, Parks and Rec. They're, they're just like money, please. Yeah, so MLS will be off, or DC United will be off for at least a month or so. Assuming games do come back, DC United will probably be playing in Audi Field. If the current trajectory of cases in DC continues, there will probably not be fans at those games. If I mean, there shouldn't be con- regardless. There shouldn't be, but uh, this is a very strange and bad time and political leaders are making inexplicable decisions, jeopardizing public health and safety. So I'm not going to say there definitely won't be fans of the game. I would strongly encourage everyone to stay home and watch it from, from there and maybe, you know, order yes. something to pick up curbside at the the club shop over the phone. But um, if you want to, you know, support the team financially, but rather than going, but don't go in person, please don't do it. If games do happen, um, what do we want to see out of DC United? Where where do they go from here? Because they they were lacking a lot of ideas. They'll have a month or so to train. Mm-hmm. I, I assume they're going to take a couple of days off to lick their wounds, and then they're going to get at it in training. And I expect they're going to be intense training sessions. Um, hopefully more intense than we saw on the field in some of those moments from DC United. I mean, what 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 I want to see is creativity. What I want to see is young players. What I want to see is like ideas, forward thinking. I don't, I don't need to see. I don't want to see stodgy one to nothing wins. I want to see preparation for next year. Because at this point, this year doesn't matter anymore. This is such a bizarre year and now that the MLS's back tournament is over for DC United I, I write off this year as as far as the competition goes I want to see building towards next year and I want to see I want to see a plan for next year and like real real thought real uh, uh, a purpose going in towards next year yeah and unfortunately um, I think those are all pretty good ideas because this season is so broken and we're already seeing how random MLS has become, which we're used to it being pretty random. But now like Cincinnati and Vancouver, like Vancouver's B team and Cincinnati are getting out of their groups while other talented teams are going out. Uh, we're in complete chaos mode. So I don't even know what the hell is going to happen. I feel like LAFC is probably going to be good. Columbus looks pretty good. After that, everything else I think is just you're going to end up where you end up, um, and it's almost out of your control to some extent. Right. And therefore, just give the kids their chance. Give the kids some well, experience. Well, I mean, if you're building toward next year, you have Paul Ariola who could return in September, October, uh, if his recovery continues going at warp speed, like it seems to have been. Um, 
you have Yamil Assad, oh, you have Julian Gressel. Do you bench all of them or, or bench two of them no. so that you can get Kevin Paredes out there? Because Paredes I, balled out a little bit. He looked really good. We should talk about him as a whole different like. Yes, segment. I agree. Um, I agree. Because that but, is the one bright spot we got out of this thing. But um, to Ben's point about having a process and having a clear end goal, um, we came into the season with the team telling us over and over again, that they wanted to change how they played. They wanted to be more fun to watch. They wanted to be more attack-minded, more high-pressing, maybe not full-time high-pressing, but more high-pressing, um, and that it was going to take some time. Okay, there's been a major disruption. We didn't get to see it in MLS's back. Okay, but... You have a month that's now, a lot do of, it. That's That's a lot of us saying, okay, I understand it didn't work. I understand why but we got to see something at the end of this, this road. And that's yeah. right. The record isn't necessarily what we need to judge it on. What we need to see is progress towards that plan uh, coming to fruition for next season. We need to see the team figure out how to get the best out of Julian Gressel. Um, I had a brief Twitter conversation with, um, with our friend Rob Osri, and he was talking about what Atlanta did to get the most out of Gressel involved him spending a whole lot of time out on the touchline. And when you think of Gressel, even when he's played wide for DC, he hasn't really been able to get out on the touchline. It's been kind of pinched in a little. Um, They've got to figure out how to get the best out of him because they spent a lot of money on an extremely talented player. You've got to give him a platform to do what he does. They spent $5 million on Edison Flores, and it seems like it's not 100% clear where he belongs. Got to figure that out. Um, the overall style of play we want to we need to see progress towards that on that front can this team effectively be more high pressing can they be effective maybe not every week because like we said it's it's it is going to take time that part is true but you've got to show somewhere along there it's not going to be linear but you do have to be able to say you know what they did overall make some progress um i do think they need to start finding uh windows for these young, especially the three homegrown players, because they're all good. Um, yeah. And yes, they'll they'll have opportunities to get minutes, which they need to develop with Loudon, because the USL's, at least as of now, the USL's uh, madcap uh, hope for the best plan to play in various markets hasn't right. hasn't run aground yet. Um, I hope it doesn't. I hope that our worry about that was all wrong, and that everyone's fine. But I still, you know, maybe that pans out. Maybe it doesn't. But somewhere in there, um, you have to find MLS minutes for those guys. Um, so I think those are things that I, I want to see as well is just it's not necessarily super important to me that we're talking about playoffs or no playoffs. Um, I think it's it, important. Like it, in this year of all years, it doesn't matter. Like you don't have fans to worry about in the stands. You just, this of all seasons, just try and figure it out. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the issue there is, obviously, as we saw um, after the game, the fan base is impatient. They do not well, have, yes. they do not seem to have room in their hearts to wait this one out to see progress that is not easily defined. And what we're talking about, what we want, at least Ben and I, Adam, you haven't really gotten your chance because I've been running my mouth. Um, but we want something that's harder to measure. Um, because if you're just looking for wins, then this plan might not be appealing to you at all because this might not end. It might end with wins. It might not end with wins. It might end with, you know, 
in game 16 playing brilliantly and then in game 17 having an absolute dud um this might be a really uncertain path um right i think a lot of a lot of a lot of people who are dc united fans want both right yeah they want dc united to immediately start playing better and they want them to immediately start winning every game three to nothing and that is absolutely something that fans are allowed to want Sure. Um, it, it doesn't make it realistic, but that is something that fans are allowed to demand. And I, I, I agree with you guys. I want to see DC United play a, a better style that has a larger margin for error because DC United's been playing on a very thin margin for a long time. And I, I would like to see the ability to score two or three goals a game over a sustained stretch, not just lightning in a bottle like we've managed to catch a couple of times uh over the past several years but i i would prefer more front foot defense a little bit less deep and i i think more than anything i want to see the staff the players ben olsen have the courage to say this is our plan and we're going to stick to it um we're going to make it work we're going to take our lumps and we're going to do it and we're going because that's the players we we have and the players we want to get uh, across the field. Not every player is a perfect fit for it. Um, I, I'm not sure if Red Briant is is the right player to play center back in that system. Uh, but I think that that's where DC United needs to go. And I think I think they need to not just take their lumps in it. I think we need to also see an attacking system that that does make Gressel and and Flores shine whether that means Flores is playing on the wing and you have somebody like Felipe playing kind of a forward destroyer role in that 10 spot that's fine if that's what works to create yes to create chances and to put players where they need to be I don't think that's necessarily the right answer mind you but I, I think that that's one permutation that should be thought about um, can you make the Gressel Flores interchange work? Um, how do you incorporate these young guys? Because they do need minutes. Ben Olsen said several times, like Paredes is a guy who's going to be an important player for this team over several years coming. Do you want to make that happen next year? Make it so that he, he has the growth this year to make him an important player over the next year and the year after that? Or do you want to string it out and make it he's an important player maybe three or four or five years down the road um i think now you have to time. try to accelerate it um and and now is the the time to do that because pr- the kid can ball like yeah. and we know and Griffin this, Yao can this, ball and we know that moses nyman can ball and this season is such I a think, shambles and if the league is really going to try to get 18 or more games in over over the 14 weeks between mid-August and the end of November and then you know cram some playoffs into December um like especially knowing that Greg Berhalter says that World Cup qualifying could be coming in November which could mean you're losing players and 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 maybe the league takes a week off here and there you know there's going to be a lot of three game weeks coming up and that's going to be an opportunity for for Nyman and Yao and sure. Paredes to to start, and it should be, and they should get those opportunities. 
Um, I know Ben Olsen is big on uh, starting guys who who go at it in training. Um, if you've reached a certain level, he will recognize you as a gamer if he if he's seen you play actual games. But if you are a young guy trying to break in um, and you're someone who plays a lot harder and a lot better in games than you do in training, you might not get those games. You got to show it in training. Hopefully there's an opportunity for these guys. And he said that about Paredes. Paredes is a guy who is going 100 miles an hour in training no matter what. And we saw him do the same thing on the field, um, but also have ideas, um, yes. which it's, it's yeah, easy we, to we be should... the guy that works hard. Um, yeah. And what he does, I don't want to go, we could do a whole show on Kevin Paredes, but um, one thing I want to highlight to do that. Maybe we will. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but one thing I want to highlight about what he did in this tournament is when he doesn't have the ball, it's not just that he runs fast. It's not just that he works hard or puts in tackles. It's that what his running is doing is done with a purpose. He's th- he's able to get to places early, not because he's so fast, but because he's thinking faster than other players on the field. And so he puts he puts guys under pressure. If you think of the uh, Pipa chip against TFC, roll it back just a couple seconds more. Where does that play come from? Part of it is that Paredes arrives to pressure a TFC player before that player expects to be pressured. Um, well, and not and just pressures is, him, but pressures him in a specific direction yes. away from the outlet. It's it's done with it's done with thought and purpose. It's not just a guy running his ass off, and that's the whole thing. It's there's there are ideas underpinning it. The theory is there. It's not just uh, exuberance um, because that you can find from you can go to any college soccer roster and find a whole team of guys like that. Um, so Paredes has that off the ball. Um, his attacking runs also have been very good. Um, he actually had more shots on goal than anyone else on DC United. And if I'm not mistaken, because Montreal only had two shot attempts. Yeah, he had more shot, shots on goal in 38 minutes than anyone on either team. Uh, he was the leader in that game for shots yeah, there on was, goal. I remember there was one point, one of his shots that actually I think forced a save. Um mm-hmm. DC United gets the ball to the touchline and he starts to make a hard run across the goal and then pulls up. Mm-hmm. And I, I like sighed and Ben, you were on the, the call when this happened. Yeah. I sighed. I was like, Oh, Paredes, you got to finish that run. And then he gets the ball because he made the defender turn. He waited till the defender turned his head to pull up and was wide open and, and got mm-hmm. the shot. I was like, never mind. Kevin Paredes is smarter <laughs> than I am. Ignore me. <laughs> um, and it, it was absolutely the, the- I was going to say he also had the opportunity where he was he was offside by a step, but the free kick where if he gets good purchase on that ball and he doesn't go that one step early because he didn't need that step. He could have he his idea was far enough ahead that he was going to get to the ball without needing to be offside and have the chance to finish that free kick. He just he didn't get the finish right. It went under his foot. It went out of bounds and then he was offside anyway. Um, but from a thought process perspective, it looked really good. Um, and so he's not just out there because it's like, well, let's let the young kid have some minutes and see what happens. Um, he's out there in part because he, he's at least pushed himself. I mean, yes, Emmanuel Boateng was injured, but it looks to me like Paredes is ahead of him. Um, yeah. I would like to start to see him get a, a fairly remark, a fairly significant chunk of Ulysses Segura's minutes. Um, yeah. Especially if we're on board for let's get the plan right rather than let's win games. Um 
because he is going to take risks that Segura doesn't take. Um, he's a different kind of player than Segura. Um, but I think his ceiling is much higher than Segura's, and we need to start looking at that, uh, especially in this broken year of all years where who knows how many games there are going to be, who knows at what point the league is going to say, hey, you know what, we got started on this path, and now um, we have outbreaks everywhere, we have to shut it down, so we're going to go with points per game and hand someone a trophy uh, via mail. Um, all of these things could happen, so get, you know, if he's earning it, give him the minutes. Um, and the Why same you goes still for- can. The same, honestly, I mean, it's more important for those young guys, but the same really goes for anyone on the roster. Um, I, I will say, I, I, thing, right, right. Um, you know, you know, it's it can be tough if you're if you're a guy in your late twenties and you're clearly doing better in training than another guy, and he gets some minutes. Uh, that's tough because it's yeah, players know, um, but at some point you've got to get a look at everyone on the roster, figure out what you want to do with them next year. Can they play this different style or are they someone that was better suited for the old style? Um, sort these things out. Um, and Paredes is a perfect example. On that weirdly slightly hopeful note, I think we will call it a show. Thank you all for listening find us at blackandredunited.com patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to throw some money our way we're on twitter at filibuster dcu for the podcast at black and red U for the show send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts itunes soundcloud spotify the not on soundcloud anymore no i i corrected that one um from a couple of weeks ago. Mostly though, tell a friend about the show. You won't have a DC United game to to preview and send someone our way. But you know, you're talking soccer, you find out someone's an MLS fan, uh, send them our way. Just just mention the show. We really appreciate uh anyone who gets the word out. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we will talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I want to get access to the seven chicken sandwiches that Korea has at Popeye's. Everyone help me. If you're listening to the show, help me find a way to make it happen.